When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a little bit trickier, but I will say some platforms own a license and they kind of outsource it to the people that are users of their page. So that's a way that people can still use kind of trending songs and it not be copyright infringement. Cameron, super excited to have this podcast and and, and for you to come on. I think uh, a lot of people watching and listening are going to learn a ton from you and uh, just everything in terms of the legalities of, of the creator economy, brand deals and uh, a, a ton of things. So before we dive into all of those, uh, first, just explain, you know, who you are, what you do, and uh, kind of give us a recap of your story. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to get into the tea today. So hey, y'all, I'm Cameron Monet, Cameron with a K. I'm a lawyer, influencer, content creator, entrepreneur, and YouTuber. I wear a lot of different hats, but my favorite hat happens to be the lawyer and consultant hat because I love helping other influencers and creators navigate the contract space with brand partnerships because brands, they try it sometimes. So I like to make sure that my creators are protected and they actually understand what they're signing. That's awesome. That's awesome. And let, let's get into that. So like, what, what is like, what's like the most common question that you usually, usually get from, from creators? It's usually about money, <laughs> how to negotiate yeah. their rates or how to decide, should I accept this gifting opportunity? And probably like the nicest way to tell a brand no when it comes to like them not paying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, cause it's such a, it's, it's a, such a gray area, especially with the creator economy. And I mean, not a lot of people understand, you know, how to judge, uh, rate themselves and how to value themselves because followers are, are different. Um, how do you, how do you recommend going about that and kind of, uh, rating yourself and in, in terms of, uh, say something like, like, like TikTok or, or YouTube or, or any, any any platform how would you recommend going about that yeah so the first thing i always tell them is to ask the brand for their budget there's been too many times where myself as a creator and other clients that i've had they just missed out on money because the brand's like hey what's your rate you lowball yourself they're not gonna say well no let me pay you some more they're gonna say well look at god i'm gonna take that as a discount um so always ask for the budget first and i personally like to work in percentages and i always tell people it's just easier to think like that on the back end once you have a team and all that you have like your own kind of calculation. So when a brand does reach out, you're not having to start from scratch and like pull some numbers from thin air. You actually have a base. So I say 10 to 20% of your following, and that's not the number you tell them. Wait a minute. <laughs> and then you also want to make sure you take into consideration, what are the brand's goals? Are they looking for a higher conversion? Maybe that's your expertise. Like if you're a fashion girl and you get those conversion rates, you should charge a little bit more because you have that ability to do so. Or maybe you're in a specific niche or genre and that brand is like, I need someone that knows all about gardening and your whole page is about gardening. You should charge a little bit more. So definitely have that base 10 to 20% of your following, but always, always add those additional fees depending on your expertise and the specifics of that collaboration. I love that. Yeah. And back to what you said earlier in terms of like asking for the company budget first, uh, I, 
highly recommend that, especially because I like I always tell people like if you give a rate and they snap, uh, you know, accept, you probably didn't charge <laughs> yeah. enough, you know. And so they're like, oh yeah, that rate, one hundred percent, we'll do that. So that's <laughs> that's a super important um, thing to to really consider. Um, but what are some other things to really keep in mind, and uh, especially in terms of like agreements and contracts when those come to into play? Like, what are some things to keep in mind when it comes to to those too? Yeah, that is so important to get into because always leave the door open for additional fees once you get the contract. So what I like to suggest is to say something to the effect of, here's my rate at this time. However, it is contingent on the contract terms. So some terms that are usually not talked about in the email is exclusivity, whitelisting, blacklisting, usage rights, licensing, um, additional fees that you also could include is like reshoots, revisions. And things like that. So you want to make sure that you leave that door open in the email phase, because once you get the contract, I can guarantee you it's going to be some more requests and obligations. So you should charge some more as well. I love it. Yeah. I mean, all great points there, um, especially because, you know, a lot of brands tend to sneak a couple things in there, especially when it comes to the usage rights and yep. uh, obtain, obtaining those. I mean, what, what is like your experience with that? Like, what are what are some sneaky things that a lot of brands tend to uh, sneak into contracts? You, have you seen? Yeah. So I always find it interesting. The more I feel like we talk openly about like usage rights, that specific term, they try to say things that are usage rights without saying the word usage rights. Or like exclusivity. I was actually just reading a contract for a client earlier this week. And she was like, I didn't see any exclusivity. And I was like, uh, did you? They just said, do not compete with these specific brands. And it's like, that's the same thing as saying exclusivity right. without saying this is an exclusivity clause. And the same thing with usage rights. The brand will just say, we would like to use this content on our social media platforms and our website. And it's like, that's usage rights without having to say it specifically. And it still is the same exact effect on the creator. So you want to make sure you understand, of course, those like hot topic terms, but also other ways they can describe it because that's probably still going to be something you need to charge for. 100%. Those are all great points. But like, what are, what are some like uh, things you recommend when going about those terms? And like, what do you recommend in terms of the usage rights? Should the creator have it? Should the brand have it? How, how do you decide that? Um, or, mm -hmm. you know, some of these other things like the whitelisting, um, and yeah. the exclusivity. Yeah, it gets tricky. So it really varies depending on the brand and the partnership and the, I would say like the, the length of the partnership. So let's say for example, you're working with a brand for six months. Exclusivity probably won't be an issue. Usage might not be an issue as well because you're working with them so long term, you're not necessarily worried about other brands associating you with that brand because you're working with them for six months. So it's going to be obvious that your audience sees it and all of that. But where usage rights, it's like, okay, if I'm working with brand A for one month, I might want to work with brand B, but if brand A is constantly promoting my content on their page, on their website and all these other places, brand B might not reach out. So because of that, you want to make sure you're charging for that usage. Same thing with exclusivity. Also, usage rights, you're kind of giving them a little bit of ownership to your content because you're giving them a limited license to be able to use your content in some way. And the more you give that license out, the less money that you're going to be able to make. Because once someone else has a limited license to that content, you can only give it to so many other brands where it's not like you no longer have any ownership. You want to always make sure you keep ownership of your content if possible which is why I'm like anti-perpetuity, perpetual use. So the word perpetuity means forever. And I don't know about y'all, but there is 
really, it's really, really hard to be able to figure out how much I'm going to charge somebody if they want to use my content for the rest of their entire life. <laughs> and it's just too right. high of a price, which is why I always say max one year. And when we think about like marketing, nine out of 10, the content that I'm posting now for a collaboration won't even be applicable for the next year because it's different trends and different seasons. So don't be afraid to say, you know what, one year max as far as usage, regardless of the collaboration. And then the benefit with that is when a year comes along and they're like, you know, we really still want to use this content. You can get some more money and you're not limiting yourself in the beginning. Such a great point. Yeah. Because I mean, uh, as your audience starts to grow, as you learn as a creator, as you know, your, your content tends to, to perform better, your rate is going to increase. And so, you know, a lot of brands are going to try to sneak that in and, and take advantage of that, especially if they see the talent, uh, when you, when you work with them. Right. Exactly. And that's usually why they reached out in the first place, which is why 100%. I'm all like, Hey, give them the high number first and negotiate down. You don't want to give them the number you want because then you don't have any room to negotiate. So is, what do you recommend in terms of the negotiation part? I mean, like how to go about that, you know, uh, yeah. maybe, le maybe let's role play for a little bit. Maybe let's <laughs> say my, my rate is, uh, uh, a thousand dollars and, um, uh, maybe you're, or you give me a company budget of like, I don't know, $600. My budget is a thousand dollars. You say you're not moving anywhere from $600. Where, where, where would that creator, uh, what would that creator do? Yeah. So what I like to do in that instance is say, negotiate the deliverables. So I never want the creator to feel like I'm having to sacrifice my value just to work with this brand. Now there are some brands and I tell this to everybody. Every creator has some brands where they're like, you know what, whatever they ask, I'm going to do. But even with those, try to negotiate what you can. But just negotiate the deliverables. So if that $600 was going towards two TikTok videos and your $1,000 is for the two TikTok videos, say, you know what, for $600, I can do one TikTok video and a repost on my Instagram story. So then that to you feels a little bit more comfortable because the point of negotiating is not to leave with everything that you desire. Any negotiation strategy they're going to tell you is both people are going to come in with what they want. Both people are going to leave with not what they came in with because that's the part of negotiating. But you want to be able to get a little bit of something and the same thing for the brand as well. Love that. Love that. And like, do you have any sort of recommendations of, of what creators should really aim for in terms of reaching out to brands and working with brands? You know, maybe it's uh, a certain amount of deliverables, maybe uh, a certain type of deliverables, or, you know, maybe a, a try to build a, a certain type of relationship. Kind of a combination of all those things, really. What I like to do is when I have a brand that I want to work with, or when a client comes to me and I give them an audit of what's going on with their platform, I say, if said brand that you want to work with looked at your page now, like if they just looked at all your content, could they really see their brand fit? And if the answer is no, then I say work on creating content that would get that brand's attention where they can easily integrate into your content. And even sometimes it's like, OK, maybe they can't see it, but they can see themselves a little bit in the quality of your content. So maybe you are very good at video and capturing your audience. And maybe that's an element that their brand is lacking. And that's a great point that you can make when you're pitching. Like, hey, I absolutely love your brand. I love your products. But I see that you are creating a lot of real content. Here are some examples of what I do, and I think our partnership would be amazing because I'd get the audience's attention because that's what I do in my videos. So let's figure out a great way we can work together. So that's just like kind of some examples. Love it. Is there are there any things like anything that like 
creators should definitely have in terms of reaching out to a brand, maybe just, you know, in a cold email, what are some things to really include into that email? Yeah, I would say give a quick snippet about yourself, but think like elevator pitch, but shorter. Imagine you're only going up two flights of stairs. <laughs> um, that's how I like to think about it. So get in and get out. Introduce yourself very quickly and make sure you your links work. So always link your social media. Don't say at Cameron Monet. Provide the actual link because think about it. Brands and their managers, they're all getting so many emails. So they want to be able to just click it, go to your page and see what they need to see. So aside from introducing yourself, you also want to make sure you provide them examples of the content that you already create, especially if you're a smaller creator. Because they're going to click your page and be like, well, what's the benefit? if they, Let's say they don't even make it down to the other email, to the rest of the email. They might just click the link. So make sure that you're showing them, hey, this is a great quality that I can create. And then to sum it all up, make sure that you can say why your brand relates to their brand. Maybe it's an audience, specific audience that relates to that brand. Maybe it's you've always used that product your whole life. Or maybe you actually just tried their products and you know that they're running a campaign because you see other influencers currently promoting it. So don't be afraid to kind of use what's already working. I love that. All, all great points there, especially with the introduction and like introducing yourself, but keeping it to a minimum because again, you know, like you said, two, <laughs> two flights of stairs at, yeah, at most, uh, they, they don't have much time. And, and also linking your socials is, uh, is, is super key. Uh, maybe even producing a media kit, especially if you have other, you know, brand partnerships that you can kind of flex on them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, all, all great points there. Um, is there, Anything else before we dive into some some specific legal terms that you really see uh, in that point out to you in terms of uh, contracts or agreements that a lot of creators uh, tend to not see? Yeah. So something that just came to mind is I don't see it as often now, but every once in a while I'll see it where a brand comments under a post and says, oh, we love this picture. Can we repost it? And they'll provide a link. That link is a contract. So we might not think it's a contract because it's just on a website, but the same thing as like terms and conditions and all those things, they're contracts. So I highly recommend before you're like, hashtag yes, please repost me. Because sometimes there's benefits to that, but make sure you're understanding what you're signing over. Because I've read a couple of them, they've gotten better, admittedly, but I've read a couple of them where they said, once you sign like hashtag yes and you allow us to repost it, we no longer have to pay you for like three months. So even if they approach you with a brand partnership, they're going to say, oh, wait. You were part of our hashtag say yes, so we don't have to pay you for a certain amount of time for your usage and for your content. So there's sometimes those little small terms in there that get tricky. They've gotten better, like I said, but they still out there a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a huge point. And I like I'm sure they're getting better, especially because other people are starting to speak up. And um, I'm, I'm starting to see a lot of brands in terms of like uh, pitching their their budget. They're increasing their budget a lot, uh, a lot more because. You know, even brands that reach out to me will lowball me into the hundreds. And I'm right. like, this, that's just, that's, we're nowhere in the same ballpark here. Exactly. Um, it's like, come and, on, let's, and, and, let's do better. Yeah. And when then backtrack, it's like, there's been brands that have completely ripped off creators. Um, we won't name a couple, but it's like, hey, like you got it. You got to, uh, you got to know about all these sorts of things, especially with the contract and the agreements yep. and, and some of these tricky terms, along with knowing your value too. Yes. And making sure you understand when the payment time runs. That has happened too many times with clients that came that, oh my goodness, I just get so upset. They were like, wait, the brand didn't pay me on time. It's been 30 days. And I was like, well, did you send the invoice? And they're like, no. 
So the time hasn't started to run. It's just horrible. There's so many tricky things that can come in these contracts and these partnerships. You're so excited to work with your dream brand. And you're like, yay, the content's live 30 days from now. And it's like the brand specifies when that 30 days or 60 days begins to run. And then even on top of that, a lot of creators aren't able to get anything up front. I think there's going to be a shift in that, fingers crossed, where brands are starting to pay creators up front something as an incentive to then create in an investment, like the creator is investing in the brand. But yeah, I've seen that more times than not. So make sure you really understand what the whole payment process will look like. Yeah, and that's such a great point in terms of like trying to get something up front. I mean, sometimes I'll even, you know, get my, my, my flat rate and cut it in half and say, okay, half in, in front and then half after yep. it's posted. Um, and I usually always tend to uh, include some sort of affiliate link or CPM in place to where if that video does go viral, especially like on a platform like TikTok, you just yes. never know. Um, you get compensated for it and, you know, and it could be as simple as, you know, $10 per a thousand views or 10 or $10 per a thousand views after 5,000 views or after 10,000 views. But incorporating that is is super big. Um, And I always like try to work with brands on a long-term relationship too, because it's like, uh, I forgot where I got this kind of example from, but if you take a TV commercial, for an example, that company's not running that TV commercial once it's running it multiple times and the same exactly. thing with, with brand deals. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta just, you know, uh, work on a consistent basis. Maybe it's three months, six months and offer multiple deliverables. So that way, not only it's beneficial for you, your audience, but also for the brand. And then you exactly. can use that testimonial for next brands. Exactly. Yeah. Long term is the goal. Um, I think this year I've seen it a lot with brands starting to understand that, especially for creators when you're trying to build that momentum and your income and also just really building a connection and a relationship with a brand. Long term is a dream. So I highly, highly, highly second that. (laughs) 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. All right. So let's let's dive into some legal terms here that uh, maybe a lot of people don't understand. Uh, we'll, we'll just start off with something that you mentioned a little bit earlier, whitelisting. Can you, give, can you explain what whitelisting is and maybe uh, some things to uh, keep in mind or, or ways that uh, curators can, can take advantage of it? Absolutely. And I can't completely forgot. I have to give a disclaimer. So although I am a lawyer, I'm a licensed attorney, I am not your attorney. This is for educational and informed persons only. If you do need a lawyer, please seek counsel in your local state jurisdiction. So, okay, got to get that out there because people are like, oh, she's awesome. my lawyer. Yeah. Ooh, it's just, it's just <laughs> a content. Like, yeah. it's just a video. I'm not your lawyer. Um, so, yeah, whitelisting is paid advertisement. So what it could look like is on Instagram, I know we see the paid partnership label, right? But it's that sponsorship tab. So essentially, the brand is behind the creator's account putting paid ads behind it. So it looks like the creator is posting it because the benefit for the brand with that is that I'm more likely to click on a post if I see, oh, Cameron posted something, oh, that's my girl versus Neutrogena. I might still look on there because I do love Neutrogena, but I'm going to be more likely to post it because I relate to that influencer in some way. So, and that also behind the scenes, the brand can customize the target audience. And there's so many layers to that under the Facebook advertisement. And we're specifically, we're talking about Instagram, TikTok has the same. So with those paid advertisements, it's whitelisting. It's just another way of saying paid advertisement. <laughs> Love of it. Love it. And, and is that something? Is that something that's like already incorporated into the contract most times, or something that maybe a brand is like, "Hey, this isn't performing well. Let, let's maybe do this." Or how does that work? Yeah. So it varies. Some brands assume that it's automatic because you're working with them. So I like to get clarity if the contract doesn't say because there's a slight difference. So now I've been seeing the term of organic posting, organic reposting, organic ads, organic whitelisting. 
And I'm like, what's happening there? So they're think they're saying if you allow them usage on their page to repost, they then can use some type of paid advertisements if it's on their page, which I can understand that because you're not promoting it through my name. But once we're talking about you putting payment behind my account where I'm looking like I'm the advertiser, I'm going to have to make sure that it's clear in the contract as far as the duration. And then I can get paid for that because 100%. the brand is going to more than likely get more money because they're going to be able to customize their target audience, use my likeness, use my personality, my comp- my comp- copyright and my content. And then they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars and I just made the deliverable fee. And that's just not going to work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And have you, have you seen um, some whitelisting like affect that, that creator's uh, performance or maybe the relationship in terms of like the algorithm, maybe that brand does a, a an interest completely different from that person's uh, audience. Have you seen that happen multiple times? And if so, like, what do you yes. do in terms of that? <laughs> yes. And that's why the contract needs to be clear as far as the length of time and never be afraid to ask them, what is your, what is their ideal target audience? And that kind of goes back to what is their goal? So once you kind of know a little bit more about what their goals in the beginning, you can get a little bit more clear on maybe the type of audience they're going to be trying to reach. But I've seen and I've had some clients have that complaint with brands where they just started getting a whole bunch of hate comments. And they're like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, I just was trying to let you get this little paid advertisement. I didn't know we're going to do this. But even with that, even if it's not in the contract, just reach out to the brand. You have to have that honest and upfront conversation throughout the entire partnership. And more than likely, I haven't seen it where a brand was like, we're still going to post it they'll be able to customize it in a way that, that you can feel more comfortable or at least put them on notice of what's going on and you can work out a different situation for them. Great, great points there. And uh, yeah, it, it's super important to just hammer all of this stuff out before you do any of it and uh, g- gain clarity <laughs> with all of it because the last thing you want is, you know, a hiccup or, or something that you didn't see. Uh, let's dive into, exactly. let's dive into, um, you know, usage rights. We, we, we talked a little bit about it uh, earlier, but maybe, you know, a, a couple of people don't understand really what it is or, or how to go about it or maybe how to judge that. So, so what do you recommend in terms of, of usage rights? Yeah. So I always say charge them. Usually they're going to charge by the month. So again, working percentages, it just makes it a lot easier on the back end. I always say have a custom package for some brands. If I'm going to work with a brand for a year, I'm going to give them a custom package when it comes to usage. I might not charge them the 20% monthly fee. I might charge them. I might throw in like three months for free for the usage and then charge them for the rest of the month. So don't be afraid to customize it. But definitely I always say with usage, 20 to 30% of whatever the total is for the deliverable. So that's when you kind of work outside of the following. So, okay, you got your number. Let's say it's $1,000 for that 20 to 30% of that fee per month for the usage rights. Got it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but usage rights is just like uh, who has the right to use that content on particular page, right? Correct. And then the length of time they're able to use it. So it's the who, what, when, where, and why behind the license you're giving them. So the license, I always think about it like a cake. The license is like the type of cake and the usage rights is the details on the cake. So you give them the limited cake, like, hey, you can use my content for a limited use, but the details, like if you want to decorate it, do a certain type of flavor, that's all going to be the usage rights to go into detail so you can better understand how they're going to, how the cake's going to look. I love that. I love that. Dumbing it down. Yeah, it's that, that's a great point. What about it? Uh, we talked a little bit about it, but exclusivity, you know, what is exclusivity um, and, you know, what does it mean and, and what are some things to, to keep in mind in terms of that? Yeah. So essentially the brand is telling you 
we do not want you to work with this subset of brands and or products because they're a competitor. So the important thing with this is don't assume that you know who their competitor is. There have been so many contracts that just say, don't compete with any other brands that are makeup products. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. First off, I need more details. So make them commit to saying these are the brands that are our competitors because we might think, oh, McDonald's and Burger King are neck and neck. But maybe this particular campaign, they're like, we're looking at Popeye's. OK, so you want to make sure that you know who their competitor is for this particular campaign. And please, if y'all don't take nothing from what I say, do not allow them to say, but not limited to. The but not limited to will get you in trouble. I have a client example, and I know I will never say her name because I know she's like, you can tell people, just don't tell it was me. She worked with two different hair companies. Brand A paid her. She posted the content. It was great. In that contract, they listed some brands, and they said, but not limited to. Brand B came along and said, hey, we want to work with you. She checked the contract. She didn't see their name. She thought she was good. She posted that hair content. Brand A said, oop. Brand B is a competitor. She said they're not listed. They said it said, but not limited to other hair companies. Therefore, she mm. had to pay brand B back and delete the post. Like wow. and, and legally, they said, but not limited to. So if possible, make them commit. And although I get it, brands are like, well, what if a new company comes along and now they're great? You can't worry about all that. And that's not the creator's due diligence. They have to focus on what's happening right now for a certain duration of time. Make them say how long. You can't be exclusive. For six years, and not, that's too much for because the price is too expensive. So make them commit to the brands and or the products and then the amount of time. Love that. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, uh, when it comes to usage rights, put that put that cap on uh, the, the duration and make sure it's not too long because uh, right. <laughs> you, you really don't know. Like you said, you know, maybe another brand comes along that you love or, mm-hmm. um, you know, your audience continues to, to grow. Your content starts to grow and. Um, you know, you want to branch out. So those exactly. are all, those are all great points. Uh, what about something like else copyright? I do want to add. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, go ahead. Jump from go ahead. I just thought yeah. of something else. Also the benefit of limiting the scope of usage rights and exclusivity is let's say they're in a scandal. You don't want to be the only creator that has to represent that brand when they're doing something that you do not want any parts with. You want to be able to have an out, which is also why you need to make sure the termination clause and the contract, you have a way out of it. Because you just never know. Things happen but with creators. Things happen with brands. But you want to make sure that you have a way out of a situation if a brand ever gets caught in the fire. And let's say you're the only creator that signed this long-term contract and you have no way out. Now you're like the face of the brand and everyone's getting hate on you because you can't get out. So make sure you're limiting that, even even if it's just for that. Yeah, I mean, g- great point. I mean, let's let's just continue on that. What about the termination clause? Like what... It- what do you uh, recommend to look out for in terms of that and, and to make sure that, you know, this is included or this is not included? Absolutely. So I always say there should be three different versions within the termination clause. So there should be three different options. The first option is, OK, mutual termination. We both just something didn't work, didn't work with you, didn't work with me. Let's get out. Let's wash our hands with it. Maybe we just both agree. Hey, you know what? Whatever payment has been paid is sufficient and we're done. It's been great. Mutual. The next option would be, let's say the brand breaches the contract. So let's say you've been reaching out to them and trying to get more information after you're in the middle of shooting the content. They're not responding. They ghost you. And then all of a sudden they respond and say, you know what? Actually, we're not going to do that campaign anymore. You want to make sure you have a pro rate of compensation. So you want to make sure you have something that they're still going to be required to pay you. So in legal terms, we call this like part performance has already begun. So once you started to perform on the contract, 
the contract is sufficient, regardless of what else is going on. Even the brand's like, we no longer are doing that. Okay, but did the creator then say no to other brands because of the exclusivity clause? Did I already hire a photographer? Did I already start shooting the content? And all of these elements equal a percentage of the fee that you, you should be paid. So that's something you should include. And then let's flip the coin and say the creator breached the contract. The creator was late on deadlines. They missed the campaign launch date, whatever the case may be. You want to make sure also, I'm, I'm all for mutual. I understand. I do represent, you know, influencers first, but you want to make sure there's something that the brand is able to get out as well. So maybe it's, you know what, we're not going to pay for you. We're not going to pay that pro rate of compensation, no matter how much work you did because you breached the contract. So that's an option for that as well. But either way, you want to make sure that both people can get out of it smoothly and leave knowing that, okay, although it didn't fulfill the complete contract needs, maybe I didn't get my $10,000, but I got something for the work that I put in. Yeah. I mean, you always want, you want that mutual, uh, relationship and like, you don't want any conflict there. So you got to make sure that it, there's an out for both sides for sure. Um, what about, uh, let's kind of dive into the legalities of like content. So, uh, you know, we hear this term copyright all the time and, and with TikTok, uh, and, and music all the time, you know, mm-hmm. TikTok, it's kind of a little gray area, but what do you recommend, you know, in terms of, of, you know, copyright with music content. What are some things that have you seen come up that we uh, that you recommend people to really look out for? Yeah. So, just a quick little snippet on copyright in general. A lot of people think if they're the creator in the image that they only copyright. That's not necessarily true. If you're working with a photographer, and this is where the situation kind of comes up even more. Well, I'd say less than music. Music is always a copyright issue, but. When you're working with a photographer and they take the image of you, they're the copyright owner legally, technically, immediately. Whoever is creating the content, creating the content is the original of the original works is the copyright owner, which is why I tell influencers and content creators and anybody that works with photographers, make sure they sign something that says, hey, this is just work for hire and or we are giving you the license to your content because the problem comes in is let's say you take this great photo with your photographer and then Vogue comes in and wants to use the photo. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm the owner. It's great. And then now the photographer sues you and Vogue. Not a good place to be in. So you want to make sure you understand who is the original copyright owner. So that aside, with social media, it gets tricky because some of the social media platforms, terms and conditions, allows the platform to have a limited license. That's, that's a little bit different. Now, brands, when they take your content off of your social media, that's copyright infringement, unless you allow them. So never be afraid to send a cease and desist letter, cease and desist notice. Hey, I have not authorized you to use this content, but if you would like to see attached to my invoice, but if you would not like to pay, then please delete it. So there's ways to kind of get around there. When it comes to music, I play it safe. I say just buy the license. So I use Epidemic Sound. I have a few like artists that I just buy a license from them. It's usually pretty affordable, especially if they're a new artist. So you kind of want to just go that route. Um, but TikTok is a little bit trickier, but... I will say some platforms own a license and they kind of outsource it to the people that are users of their page. So that's a way that people can still use kind of trending songs and it not be copyright infringement. That totally makes sense because, you know, especially on TikTok, there's a ton of uh, music that just, you know, right when it's released is on TikTok and a ton of people use it and it tends to go, it it tends to go trending. Um, But, you know, I, I see all the time too. It's like, People will will take, you know, uh, motivational clips or, or yep. you know, any sort of thing, you know, movie clips and post them on TikTok. Is there anything that, you know, people should be uh, worry of or, you know, keep in mind in terms of doing that? 
Yes, I would say you can use the copyright symbol. So don't be afraid to use the copyright symbol. You don't have to have a registered copyright to be a copyright owner. If you're doing, I'd say if you have an ebook, a book or something that is a little bit more like packaged, then I would say just register as a copyright, like get the copyright registration to the Secretary of State, do that. Um, but aside from that, use the copyright symbol. If you're sitting at your desk and you're like, you know what, I really want to give these three tips that I've been using in my business. Give the tips on TikTok or Instagram, wherever, and add the copyright symbol in the description in your caption or in somewhere on the page so that people know, okay, that's copyright. That's putting people on notice. You'd have a little bit more like legal recourse because people are now on notice that that's your copyright. Still, there's going to be people that are going to use it and not tag you. Uh, it's just the unfortunate of the digital era. And honestly, law is so far behind. I'm like... This the best I can pull is to just try to put them on notice. And I think over time it's going to catch up. But the digital era is like 20 years. I would say 10,000 years ahead of like the laws. And it can be really frustrating as a creator. So I say do your best to tag your image with like your name and use the copyright symbol and make sure the audio that you're using has your name in it and things like that to try to help. Yeah, I mean, yeah, great points there. And especially like if you do use, you know, uh, someone's little clip of, you know, maybe it's a, whatever it is, you know, a motivational clip of mm -hmm. Gary Vee or Tony Robbins, make sure to, to, to at least tag them, uh, yeah. to give them credit. And, you know, and a lot of people will tend to say creds and then give them, mm -hmm. uh, credit. So th that's all good, good information and value there. But what about maybe you're, you're making, uh, getting a, or making like a, comment on someone, you know, maybe you're doing a little stitch or, uh, mm -hmm. you know, another person in your industry put out a piece of information that you don't agree with and you want to comment on it. Right. Um, obviously defamation comes into play, you know, or could come into play. What are some things mm -hmm. to like keep in mind in terms of, of making that opinion and, and perspective on that particular piece of, uh, you know, content from that? Uh, yeah. And I love editor. that you brought that up because there's, a misconception that you can't comment on people's things or once you repost it and you're commenting on it, it's like, oh, copyright. Technically, then fair use comes into play. So fair use, the easiest way to like get over the copyright infringement thing is commentary. So think about it like news articles, like they can comment on so many things and literally copy and paste things and they don't get any trouble because fair use. You just have to make sure that you are making some type of commentary on whatever you're reposting. So then that way it's, you're now creating a different piece of work. So copyright protects original work. So they don't want people to be able to take something and shift it and say, oh, it's mine now. It's like you have to make it so different that it's now a different work. And when you comment on it, whether negative or positive, it's then now you're like, OK, fair use. You're kind of covered. Um, there's, there's a gray area. But overall, if you're making commentary, you should be good. That OK, that that totally makes sense, um, especially because it's like, you know, maybe you're reviewing a, a song or reacting to a song. Uh, but your reactions are, are constantly cutting the song so that someone doesn't have to go on uh, – can go on that video and play the song rather than exactly. you know, paying for the song. Um, exactly. But but back to kind of what I was saying a little bit earlier about maybe uh, commenting on someone, a competitor's piece of advice and saying, you know, what, what Susie said was totally false or whatever. Um, yeah. Are there any things – to, to keep in mind there, maybe like a defamation or something that Susie could come back at me on and be like, you know, uh, you ruined my brand or, or whatever. Possibly, possibly. But 
it usually when people are saying like, oh, this person's incorrect, it's just a difference in opinion, not a difference in fact, right? So defamation is all about if it's a actual lie, like it is a false statement, like completely false. So if what she said wasn't completely a lie and what you said wasn't a completely a lie, nobody would really have any legal recourse. Like there, there's really no no standing on either party because defamation wouldn't apply because nothing's actually false. It. It's just like a difference in opinion. But it, it could be an issue if it's, yeah, it ruins her career or something of that nature. Yes. So always err on the side of caution. Um, even if you say something like, you know, this is my opinion from my experience and from my experience, it's that's completely crazy. You know, that's completely wrong. And these are the reasons why I have this opinion versus her opinion. Boom, 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 boom. That's fine. People do that all the time. But if it's like, oh, no, it's actually false what she's saying. Yeah, she she could it could be a problem on both people. <laughs> Okay. You can sue and then counter sue on that good, type of situation. Good to know. But you have to prove it's false. Yeah, I mean, like, good it to would know. have to be like false, false. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And it's good to know because, I mean, even people like in my industry that are coaching about content and like strategies and like, oh, this is the best way to grow. Right. <laughs> um, it makes me want to like, you know, comment and be like, well, not necessarily. Or, right, you know, like, this person it, is teaching this, even though I don't, even though I don't want to, you know, uh, knock creators down. And, you know, if you're creating content, I, I, completely respect you and admire you uh because you're taking advantage of the creator economy and that's like really all my content's about is inspiring people to take advantage of it um but but i mean you know sometimes it's like ah don't don't you know put out some bad content and mad bad advice but you know it it is what it is um So, so let's, let's talk about the FDC. You know, this is something that, uh, comes, uh, comes into play a a ton that a lot of people, uh, don't know too much about, uh, kind of give us some, some things to really keep in mind when it comes to the FDC or, you know, things that we should do. Absolutely. So the FTC is the federal trade commission and essentially their goal is to protect well, particularly to our issue that they do a lot of things, but their goal in influence and marketing is to protect the consumer. They want to make sure that when a consumer goes on an influencer, creator, et cetera, anyone's page, and they see a product being promoted, that they are getting the full picture, right? They want to see, they want to be able to determine their own if they're going to trust that influencer creator. If they say, oh, this brand sent it to me, or oh, I, this is a paid promotion, they want to allow the consumer the ability to say, okay, you know what? I agree with them now, or I don't want to purchase because knowing that. So they're protecting the consumer and making sure that Everyone is being honest, open, and getting the full full picture. So that's why creators have to do the hashtag ad or hashtag sponsor. I had somebody recently ask me, is there like a difference or like, do you have to use one or the other? Either one. They both mean the same thing. It just needs to be above the fold. So what that means is like on Instagram and TikTok and even YouTube in the description or the caption, it'll say like, click here for more. It has to be above that. So it's open and obvious. So it's right there. And either the creator has to say, Thank you so much for so-and-so for sponsoring with me or partnering with me. Something that the consumer world, it's obvious that, okay, this is someone working with someone else. It is a partnership. It's not just this person saying, you know, I just really love this product, y'all. Nobody said, I just love it. It's, I really love this product, so thank you so much for Apple for sending me the AirPods, right? It's something very obvious so the consumer can make their own determination if they want to trust the creator. Um, I will say the FTC also is behind. <laughs> it's not all the way updated. It, it's still behind in the digital era because things move so quickly. But I think the ad and sponsored and just saying this is a paid partnership is it, it, it's really helpful. What what um I'm just curious like what what happens if you don't say that you know for all those 
people listening and watching are like, oh, no, if I say that, you know, maybe people won't interact with my content. I, I can't say that. Yeah. So like, what, what, what are some things that might, you know, happen? Yeah, it's all fun and games until the FTC sends you a letter or a notice um, that you're being sued for improper disclosure on your social media accounts. They send it to creators. They send it Instagram, YouTube. Th those platforms have gotten it as well. Specifically, I'd say like more recently, YouTube had got a notice from the FTC about children. Like they didn't disclose like whether children were in the video or if it was like child friendly. So all their laws kind of changed and the terms and conditions changed to make sure they were abiding by that particular guideline. So it happens. And we're not talking about a little tap on the shoulder, a little hundred dollars. I mean, we're talking like hundreds of thousands of dollars of creators getting sued mm. because they're of improper disclosure or misleading disclosure, all of those type of things where all you had to do was put the hashtag ad. And it can be frustrating because sometimes it feels like when you put ad or sponsor, the platform is like, well, we're not going to promote it, but you'd rather be safe than sorry. And when you build a community, an audience that really understands, they're not going to be upset because you're doing a sponsored or advertisement. Usually it's going to be so seamless because either you've talked about that product before, or it just goes so great with your content or the audience is like, Oh, I really want to try that. I'm glad you did it first. So don't be afraid to use it. Just abide by the FTC because they don't ask for too much yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, great point. And something that just came up uh, in my head is, is, you know, say you're doing a uh, office, you know, setup tutorial or whatever, and uh, mm -hmm. you have an Amazon storefront and all your products are in your Amazon storefront. And you're saying, you know, all these products you can get in my Amazon storefront or in the link mm -hmm. in my bio. Um, with, with a post like that, do you, is there something that you need to, to really, you know, put something like an a hashtag ad or hashtag sponsor or something that you need to do? Yeah. So you just need to disclose that they're commissionable link. So the tricky part okay. is I'd say it's tricky on all the platforms really, because it's like, you don't want to constantly be saying that, but either type it on the screen, say it. So it's obvious that if somebody does come across a link, they're known by previous behavior that it's going to be commissionable. Even if it's something as small as just, hey, I get a small percentage from the links that are provided. Make sure you're disclosing that. Even on your website, like if people have like their own blog post or their blog website, whatever the case may be, make sure you have that disclaimer that some of the links are commission links and you get a small percentage. Yeah, that's a great point. And I uh, like to give people kind of an idea. Like I, I uploaded a, a default description for my YouTube and that's what I put in the bottom of, of, you know, some of these links might be commission based and kind of like a little warning. Um, if you guys kind of want to see what I did there, you can just check the, the description to see kind of get an idea of what I put. Um, but, you know, a lot of this is, is can be a, really confusing uh, for a lot of people. I mean, including myself. Uh, <laughs> but, so so I mean, when 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 could someone really start to consider to to hire an attorney? And, you know, should should everyone really hire an attorney at, like right off the first brand deal or or kind of walk us through that process and, and thought process? Yeah. So what I love about what I do, not to toot my own horn, is that I'm a consultant first and an attorney second, because usually we try not to get too in the legalese. Usually it's not a legal problem. It's more of like some structure or guidance or advice that uh, a client needs, whether it's, OK, I don't even know how to disclose or what should I say in my disclaimer disclosure. Um, if you let's say you're a professional CPA and you're talking about finances online, you need to say, hey, this is not professional advice. I'm just giving educational information. I'm not speaking on behalf of my employer. Those type of things. Some people just need some guidance on those. Um, but when you're getting a when you get a contract, this is usually when people need to reach out. You get a contract from a brand. You're reading it. And you don't even know what they're asking. Like you have no idea what they're asking you to do. 
and you're like, well, I'll just sign it anyway. That is a legally binding document. Do not sign anything, whether it's an influencer marketing or anything that you just have no idea what you're signing because you'll look up and your face will be on a billboard. You're driving down the street and you can't even pay your light bills because you didn't do the brand correctly. Mm -mm. You want to make sure you understand what that contract is saying and you don't want to be out here embarrassed. So at that point, I say it's time to reach out to a consultant, a contract consultant, a lawyer, someone that is a professional in this industry that understand what's going on. Um, also, if you get a letter, this has also happened, unfortunately, if you get a letter from a brand that is a cease and desist that you have infringed on their copyright or you've infringed on their trademark or their patent or something of that nature, any type of legal documents that you get, you want to make sure you reach out to an attorney. When you're when you're reaching out, I mean, those are all great points. But when you're reaching out to uh, you know a consultant or an, uh, an attorney, what are some things to really look for and, and keep in mind? Absolutely. So I first would look at the price. You know, let's be honest: is the price something that you're able to afford? I say investment is going to take money. That's just what it is. Especially if you're trying to protect yourself from a higher fee that may come along with some legal problems. Um, so look at the price, but also do your research on that person. Look at their LinkedIn. Look at their social media accounts. Look at their website. See if they actually are an expert in the industry, because there are a lot of attorneys across the globe, a lot of lawyers that do a lot of different things. But with specifically to influence of marketing and entertainment and social media, there are a lot of attorneys that are still clueless. So you don't want to work with an attorney just because, oh, they've been attorney for 20 years and they know what they're doing. And they have no idea what Instagram or deliverable and TikTok is. They're like, who is TikTok? And you're like, oh, wow, I just told you I'm a TikTok creator. How are you going to help me? And they have no idea the yeah. process. So you want to make sure they actually understand the issue that you're having and they have something that they can help you resolve that issue with, whether it's sending a letter on your behalf, giving you the right guidance and to go to the right website or the right links or the right contacts, um, or just simply explaining to you what a contract term means. You want to make sure that they understand what you're asking. Yeah, I mean, and that's a huge point, especially like if they don't even create content. I mean, Cameron, you create yeah. content, you know, yeah. da almost daily on on YouTube. Yep. You're killing it over there, and so <laughs> you, and you. you've done the brand deals, you've done all this, you yeah. know the process, um, and you can you you can really uh, side and relate to those influencers and be like, look, you know, yeah. <laughs> I would I would you know look for this, look for this. So those are all. Mm -hmm great points but back to the first point of pricing like how does how does the pricing work is it like a flat fee is it commission is it like how does that work and, and what is like in your opinion kind of like the best way to go about it yeah it varies so the initial price you want to look can you speak to that attorney for a reasonable price i would say most attorneys charge 100 or less for a consultation fee and some attorneys can give you so much guidance and that's what i do i charge $39.99 for a clarity call. You can ask me about anything in 30 minutes, and I promise you will leave with some guidance and clarity. Um, so Love I always it. say $100 or less is really reasonable. So you want to make sure there's a way for you to, like, speak to the attorney without having to fully commit to, like, the high ticket price. So that's something I always look out for, even with myself. Like, I can do trademarks, but I do have a trademark attorney. Um, and then I also have attorneys in my directory across the states and in Canada and in the U.K. So whenever there's an issue... I usually can provide my clients with guidance. If I can't help them, I'm going to be able to outsource it. So that's something you want to look for as well. Like, how is this attorney's network? If they can't help me, can they give me guidance? Are they nice? Are they understanding? Can they communicate with me in a way that I can understand? Because I personally, as a lawyer, have talked to some lawyers and I was like, child, I have no idea 
what you just said to my face. I don't even know what your name is at this point. I'm gonna have to talk to somebody else. So you want to make sure they're relatable to your needs and what what you're looking for, for sure. But as far as other prices, it can get real expensive. I'm gonna be honest. It can be very expensive for me right now. Things about to change, okay? But right now, I charge three fifty an hour for contract review. Usually, I don't go over the hour. If I do, I always alert my client. I'm all upfront and honest. If they have questions about the fees, we'll talk about it. If they're like, you know what, I can't do that. I'm gonna say, let me let me book a clarity call. I'm gonna give you as much help as I can. Come back when you can afford it. Um, so I try to make sure that I work with clients to the best of my ability, and also I have a lot of free content. So I'm constantly. I'm never going to take money from anybody if I have a free video on it or if I have some free information on it. That's just not the name of the game. My main purpose with doing this, and I'll be going on a tangent. My main purpose with me doing this is for my education. Like it, it sucks. Like you said, I've been that creator. Like I just got screwed over. Like I am a law student. I remember being in law school. Like, how did I miss that? And I just kind of learned from my mistakes. I always say I'm a guinea pig for my clients. I've tried a lot of different things. Some things work, some things didn't. And then now after reviewing hundreds, almost a thousand contracts at this point (laughs) over the past few years with clients, I I pretty much have seen quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what I was, uh, that's what I was saying earlier is like, you've been through it all. So that that's really (laughs) important to note. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm really, uh, think that a lot more people need to look over contracts and take the legalities, uh, more serious because a lot of people are like, Hey, Oh, contract. All right. Where do I sign? Boom. Here we go. Right. Let's get this thing rolling. (laughs) So it's like, I'm, I was so glad to, to bring you on and, uh, to, to inform my audience and, uh, you know, a ton of other people about, uh, legalities, contracts, brand deals, how to go about it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I have for, for me. Do you have anything for me before we wrap up? No, this was great. I'm excited. And I will say TikTok is different. It's new and it's so fast and it's not like any other platform. So I think this is going to be so helpful. So many people. I love what you're doing. Keep spilling the tea. Keep providing the knowledge because, I mean, platforms are doing nothing but growing and they're not going anywhere. So all this information is so needed. Love it. Love it. Well, that's going to do it all for today's episode of the Sticks and Stones podcast. Be sure to check out uh, all Cameron's socials and and links down in the description. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening. uh, And thank you for Cameron for joining me today. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, follow the TikToks, Instagram, and add me on LinkedIn, which are all linked down below. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.